This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. What I Saw in America by G. K. Chesterton Section 1, Chapter 1, Part 1 What is America? I have never managed to lose my old conviction that travel narrows the mind. At least a man must make a double effort of moral humility and imaginative energy to prevent it from narrowing his mind. Indeed, there is something touching and even tragic about the thought of the thoughtless tourist who might have stayed at home loving Laplanders, embracing Chinamen, and clasping Patagonians to his heart in Hampstead or Surbiton, but for his blind and suicidal impulse to go and see what they looked like. This is not meant for nonsense. Still less is it meant for the silliest sort of nonsense, which is cynicism. The human bond that he feels at home is not an illusion. On the contrary, it is rather an inner reality. Man is inside all men. In a real sense, any man may be inside any men. But to travel is to leave the inside and draw dangerously near the outside. So long as he thought of men in the abstract, like naked toiling figures in some classic frieze, merely as those who labor and love their children and die, he was thinking the fundamental truth about them. But going to look at their unfamiliar manners and customs, he is inviting them to disguise themselves in fantastic masks and costumes. Many modern internationalists talk as if men of different nationalities had only to meet and mix and understand each other. In reality, this is the moment of supreme danger, the moment when they meet. We might shiver as at the old euphemism by which a meeting meant a duel. Travel ought to combine amusement with instruction. But most travelers are so much amused that they refuse to be instructed. I do not blame them for being amused. It is perfectly natural to be amused at a Dutchman for being Dutch, or a Chinaman for being Chinese. Where they are wrong is that they take their own amusement seriously. They base on it their serious ideas of international instruction. It was said that the Englishman takes his pleasures sadly, and the pleasure of despising foreigners is one which he takes most sadly of all. He comes to scoff, and does not remain to pray, but rather to excommunicate. Hence, in international relations, there is far too little laughing and far too much sneering. But I believe there is a better way which largely consists of laughter, a form of friendship between nations which is actually founded on differences. To hint at some such better way is the only excuse of this book. Let me begin my American impressions with two impressions I had before I went to America. One was an incident and the other an idea, and when taken together they illustrate the attitude I mean. The first principle is that nobody should be ashamed of thinking a thing funny because it is foreign. The second is that he should be ashamed of thinking it wrong because it is funny. The reaction of his senses and superficial habits of mind against something new, and to him abnormal, is a perfectly healthy reaction. But the mind which imagines that mere unfamiliarity can possibly prove anything about inferiority is a very inadequate mind. 
it is inadequate even in criticizing things that may really be inferior to the things involved here it is far better to laugh at a negro for having a black face than to sneer at him for having a sloping skull it is proportionally even more preferable to laugh rather than judge in dealing with highly civilized peoples therefore i put at the beginning two working examples of what i felt about america before i saw it the sort of thing that a man has a right to enjoy as a joke and the sort of thing he has a duty to understand and respect because it is the explanation of the joke when i went to the american consulate to regularize my passports i was capable of expecting the american consulate to be american embassies and consulates are by tradition like islands of the soil for which they stand and i have often found the tradition corresponding to a truth i have seen the unmistakable french official living on omelettes and a little wine and serving his sacred abstractions under the last palm trees fringing a desert in the heat and noise of quarreling turks and egyptians i have come suddenly as with the cool shock of his own shower bath on the listless amiability of the english gentleman the officials i interviewed were very american especially in being very polite for whatever may have been the mood or meaning of martin chuzzlewit i have always found americans by far the politest people in the world they put in my hands a form to be filled up to all appearance like other forms i had filled up in other passport offices but in reality it was very different from any form i had ever filled up in my life at least it was a little like a freer form of the game called confessions which my friends and i invented in our youth an examination paper containing questions like if you saw a rhinoceros in the front garden what would you do one of my friends i remember wrote take the pledge but that is another story and might bring mr pussyfoot johnson on the scene before his time one of the questions of the paper was are you an anarchist to which a detached philosopher would naturally feel inclined to answer what the devil has that to do with you are you an atheist along with some playful efforts to cross-examine the official about what constitutes a greek arch then there was the question are you in favor of subverting the government of the united states by force against this i should write i prefer to answer that question at the end of my tour and not the beginning the inquisitor in his more than morbid curiosity had then written down are you a polygamist the answer to this is no such luck or not such a fool according to our experience of the other sex but perhaps a better answer would be that given by w t stead when he circulated the rhetorical question shall i slay my brother boer the answer that ran never interfere in family matters but among many things that amused me most to the point of treating the form thus disrespectfully the most amusing was the thought of the ruthless outlaw who should feel compelled to treat it respectfully i like to think of the foreign desperado seeking to slip into america with official papers under official protection and sitting down to write with a beautiful gravity i am an anarchist i hate you all and wish to destroy you or i intend to subvert by force the government of the united states as soon as possible sticking the long sheath knife in my left trouser pocket into mr harding at the earliest opportunity or again yes i am a polygamist all right and my forty-seven wives are accompanying me on the voyage disguised as secretaries 
There seems to be a certain simplicity of mind about these answers, and it is reassuring to know that anarchists and polemists are so pure and good that the police have only to ask them questions, and they are certain to tell no lies. Now that is a model of the sort of foreign practice, founded on foreign problems, at which a man's first impulse is naturally to laugh. Nor have I any intention of apologizing for my laughter. A man is perfectly entitled to laugh at a thing because he happens to find it incomprehensible. What he has no right to do is laugh at it as incomprehensible, and then criticize it as if he comprehended it. The very fact of its unfamiliarity and mystery ought to set him thinking about the deeper causes that make people so different from himself, and that without merely assuming that they must be inferior to himself. Superficially, this is rather a queer business. It would be easy enough to suggest that in this America has introduced a quite abnormal spirit of inquisition, and interference with liberty unknown among all the ancient despotisms and aristocracies. About that there will be something to be said later, but superficially it is true that this degree of officialism is comparatively unique. In a journey which I took only the year before, I had occasion to have my papers passed by governments which many worthy people in the West would vaguely identify with corsairs and assassins. I have stood on the other side of Jordan, and in the land ruled by the rude Arab chief, where the police looked so like brigands that one wondered what the brigands looked like. But they did not ask me whether I had come to subvert the powers of Sharif. They did not exhibit the faintest curiosity about my personal views on the ethical basis of civil authority. These ministers of ancient Moslem despotism did not care about whether I was an anarchist, and naturally would not have minded if I had been a polygamist. The Arab chief was probably a polygamist himself. These slaves of Asiatic autocracy were content, in the old liberal fashion, to judge me by my actions. They did not inquire into my thoughts. They held their power as limited to the limitation of practice. They did not forbid me to hold a theory. It would be easy to argue here that Western democracy persecutes where even Eastern despotism tolerates or emancipates. It would be easy to develop the fancy that, as compared with the sultans of Turkey or Egypt, the American Constitution is a thing like the Spanish Inquisition. Only the traveler who stops at that point is totally wrong, and the traveler only too often does stop at that point. He has found something to make him laugh, and he will not suffer it to make him think. And the remedy is not to unsay what he has said, not even, so to speak, to unlaugh what he has laughed, not to deny that there is something unique and curious about this American Inquisition into our abstract opinions, but rather to continue the train of thought and follow the admirable advice of Mr. H. G. Wells, who said, It is not much good thinking of a thing unless you think it out. It is not to deny that American officialism is rather peculiar in this point, but to inquire what it really is which makes America peculiar, or which is peculiar to America. In short, it is to get some ultimate idea of what America is, and the answer to that question will reveal something much deeper and grander, and more worthy of our intelligent interest. It may have seemed something less than a compliment to compare the American Constitution to the Spanish Inquisition, but oddly enough it does involve a truth, and still more oddly perhaps it does involve 
a compliment. The American Constitution does resemble the Spanish Inquisition in this, that it is founded on a creed. America is the only nation in the world that is founded on a creed. That creed is set forth with dogmatic and even theological lucidity in the Declaration of Independence. Perhaps the only piece of practical politics that is also theoretical politics and also great literature. It enunciates that all men are equal in their claim to justice, that governments exist to give them that justice, and that their authority is for that reason just. It certainly does condemn anarchism, and it does also by inference condemn atheism, since it clearly names the Creator as the ultimate authority from whom these equal rights are derived. Nobody expects a modern political system to proceed logically in the application of such dogmas, and in the matter of God and government it is naturally God whose claim is taken more lightly. The point is that there is a creed, if not about the divine, at least about human things, now a creed is at once the broadest and the narrowest thing in the world. In its nature it is as broad as its scheme for brotherhood of all men. In its nature it is limited by its definition of the nature of all men. This was true of the Christian church, which was truly said to exclude neither Jew nor Greek, but which did definitely substitute something else for Jewish religion or Greek philosophy. It was truly said to be a net drawing in all of kinds, but a net of a certain pattern, the pattern of Peter the fisherman. And this is true even of the most disastrous distortions or degradations of that creed, and true among others of the Spanish Inquisition. It may have been narrow touching theology, it could not confess to being narrow about nationality or ethnology. The Spanish Inquisition might be admittedly inquisitorial, but the Spanish Inquisition could not be merely Spanish. Such a Spaniard, even when he was narrower than his own creed, had to be broader than his own empire. He might burn a philosopher because he was a heterodox, but he must accept a barbarian because he was orthodox. And we see, even in modern times, that the same church which is blamed for making sages heretics is also blamed for making savages priests. Now, in a much vaguer and more evolutionary fashion, there is something of the same idea at the back of the great American experiment, the experiment of a democracy of diverse races, which has been compared to a melting pot. But even that metaphor implies that the pot itself is of a certain shape and a certain substance, a pretty solid substance. The melting pot must not melt. The original shape was traced on the lines of Jeffersonian democracy, and it will remain in that shape until it becomes shapeless. America invites all men to become citizens, but it implies the dogma that there is such a thing as citizenship. Only so far as its primary ideal is concerned, its exclusiveness is religious, because it is not racial. The missionary can condemn a cannibal precisely because he cannot condemn a sandwich islander. And in something of the same spirit, the American may exclude a polygamist, precisely because he cannot exclude a Turk. Now for America, this is no idle theory. It may have been theoretical, though it was thoroughly sincere when that great Virginian gentleman declared in surroundings that had still something of the character of an English countryside. It is not merely theoretical now. 
there is nothing to prevent America being literally invaded by Turks, as she is invaded by Jews or Bulgars. In the most exquisitely inconsequent of the Bab ballads, we are told concerning Pasha Bailey Ben. One morning knocked at half-past eight, a tall red Indian at his gate. In Turkey, as perhaps aware, red Indians are extremely rare. But the converse need by no means be true. There is nothing in the nature of things to prevent an immigration of Turks increasing and multiplying on the plains where the red Indians wandered. There is nothing to necessitate the Turks being extremely rare. The red Indians, alas, are likely to be rarer. And as I much prefer red Indians to Turks, not to mention Jews, I speak without prejudice. But the point here is that America, partly by original theory, and partly by historical accident, does lie open to racial admixtures which most countries would think incongruous or comic. That is why it is only fair to read any American definitions or rules in a certain light, and relative to a rather unique position. It is not fair to compare the position of those who may meet Turks in the back street with that of those who have never met Turks except in the bad ballads. It is not fair simply to compare America with England in its regulations about the Turk. In short, it is not fair to do what almost every Englishman probably does, to look at the American International Examination paper and laugh and be satisfied with saying, We don't have any of that nonsense in England. We do not have any of that nonsense in England, because we have never attempted to have any of that philosophy in England and above all because we have the enormous advantage of feeling it natural to be national, because there is nothing else to be. England in these days is not well governed. England is not well educated. England suffers from wealth and poverty that are not well distributed. But England is English. England is English as France is French, or Ireland Irish. The great mass of men taking certain national traditions for granted, now this gives us a totally different and a very much easier task. We have not got an inquisition because we have not got a creed. But it is arguable that we do not need a creed because we have got a character. In any of the old nations the national unity is preserved by the national type. Because we have a type we do not need to have a test. The end of section one, chapter one, part one.